0: Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. Um, What do you do when you find yourself in a crisis of faith? So let let me say it to you this way, if you don't really know what a crisis of faith is. What do you do when God doesn't do what you think he should? What do you do do with that? Because the reality is, is all of us in this room, we, we are going to experience life and we are going to live, if you live long enough, God is not going to do what you think he should do. How many of you know, like, God, if God just listened to what I thought was best for my life, my life would be awesome. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't do a lot of the things that we think God should do. And what happens is, is that sends us into a crisis of faith. And you're left with questions in this moment. I'm going to be honest with you, where we are, I'm going to share some personal things today, but where we are as a family, we're in a crisis of faith. We're in this moment of, we're trying to figure out some things and we're trying to figure out some next steps. And like Jason said, I just transitioned and resigned from a church that I'd been a part of for 15 years and one that I had planted five years ago that was very successful in downtown Orlando. And so it's one of those moments that when you find yourself and God's not doing what you think he should do, how do you handle it? Do do you allow it to do you? Do you walk through that valley? Do you wrestle with it? Do you do you struggle with it or do you just ignore it or do you be like other people who I know that they just totally leave the faith? And they walk away because that's one of the things that I think most people struggle with. And there's so many pastors out there that what they're doing is they're teaching God is good all the time. And yes, God is good all the time, but God doesn't always do things the way that we think God should do them. And we have to wrestle with that. And not only do we have to wrestle with that, you see that all throughout Scripture. When you go through Scripture and you, like, we, here's the thing about Scripture to me. We read it, but we know what happens, right? Right? So sometimes I think that we can almost take away the humanity of the people who are walking through situations and we're like, well, it all turns out great for this guy. Let me read something to you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 39, 10 through 20. I just want to read you, I just want to give you this illustration real quick. It's about, it's about a guy named Joseph. Now, Joseph was loved by his father. His dad made him a dope coat. He had all these dreams about his family. He had this one dream, actually, where he, his brothers and family are bowing down to him. So Joseph goes to his brothers and says, hey guys, I had a dream last night that you guys were all bowing down to me. Just a side note, if you have brothers and sisters and you have a dream that they are bowing down to you and worshiping you, don't, don't tell them that. Keep that to yourself and bury it deep down into your heart, okay? So, so he has this dream. That his brothers are bowing down to him, his brothers begin to hate him. He was favored by his father. He had dreams about his brothers, so they start really disliking him. So one day, Joseph's brothers or Joseph's father goes to him and says, Hey, Joseph, I want you to go out. I want you to check on your brothers and see what they're doing. So as his brothers see Joseph coming to check on him, they conspire to kill Joseph. They said, Hey, here comes the dreamer, let's kill him. One brother says, Let's not kill him, let's just dig a big pit and throw him in the pit. So that was their plan. But then as they're sitting there eating lunch, a a caravan of Ishmaelites comes through. Then one of the brothers says, hey, let's sell him into slavery. Let's not get nothing for him. Let's sell our brother into slavery. So they sell their brother into slavery. Now, mind you, Joseph is doing what's right. He is doing what his father has asked him to do, and he has been uh, conspired to be killed, thrown into a pit, and now sold into slavery. Well, God kept being with Joseph. And so Joseph is then being sold into slavery. A man named Potiphar sees him and says, that dude looks like he's handsome. He's strong. If y'all need a visual representation, I am here for you. Um, He was very muscular. He had, was bald um, because the Lord stricken him. And so, so Joseph is sold and bought by a man named Potiphar and Potiphar was a guy that he was like a governor. He ruled over a bunch of stuff. Well, Potiphar realizes that God is with Joseph. The other thing that happened is Potiphar's wife also takes notice of young Joseph. And this is where I want to pick it up. It just says this. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. Sounds like your mother. (laughs) But he refused to sleep with her. He kept her out of her way as much as possible. I'm sorry, son. I know that was weird for you. It was weird for me. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Just a side note, a lot of us in here, we need to respond more like Joseph in today's world. See, a lot of us, what we end up doing is we want to see how close we can get to the line before we cross it. We want to see how close we can get to the fire before we burn ourselves. And so what you see is you see people that um, our ability to toy with sin or our desire to toy with sin has gotten bigger. And so we need to respond like Joseph, that when she comes and she grabs Joseph, Joseph just takes off running. Joseph wasn't like, hey girl, let's just cuddle and watch a movie. Like he just takes off running. Listen, if y'all don't laugh at my jokes, this is gonna be a long sermon, okay? (laughs) I've been married for 15 years, give me something. I need someone to laugh at me. And so Joseph takes off running in this moment. When she saw that she was holding his cloak, and he had fled. She called out to her servants. Soon, all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you've brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. She said, but when I screamed, he ran outside. Potiphar was furious. When he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her, so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. That's a crisis of faith. Can you imagine that? You're Joseph. You do what's right. You honor your father. You honor God. Do you think Joseph was down in that prison and being like, man, maybe I should have slept with her. I mean, if I'm going to end up in prison anyway, I mean, I might as well, you know what I'm saying? That's a crisis of faith. Here's the thing. All of us are going to have those moments. All of us are going to have the moments where we do what God tells us to do and you still end up in prison. And the thing that we have to understand is, is, that doesn't change. Your circumstance does not change the character of God. So what do you do in those moments? Because God hasn't changed. The goodness of God hasn't changed. But our circumstances in that moment do not reflect the goodness or the character of God. So what do you do? Because all of us in here, if you've lived long enough, there have been moments where you're like, God, what the heck? God, where are you in this moment? And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you three things. Three things to do when you find yourself in a crisis of faith. Three things to do when God doesn't do what you think he should. And, and here's what I want you to say. Like, Here's what I want to say to you. Like, I'm, I'm doing these things. These aren't just three things that I'm giving you as like a preacher who's just here, going to share these with you and be like, see you later. You know, like th- These are things that I'm giving you. That myself and my family are walking out right now. That we are trying to figure out. And I want to encourage you to write these down and take notes. Because if you take notes in church, you get to pick where you live in heaven. I don't know if you knew that. It's very important. And we all want... So, one of you really liked that joke. I appreciate that. Courtesy. I don't know if it was a courtesy laugh, but I'll take it. Um, I want you to take... I, I really do. I want you to write these down. Here's why I want you to write these down. Because when you find yourself in a crisis of faith, one day you're going to need to remember what it was that the Holy Spirit said to you. And, and sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes you ever get those moments where you're trying to recall something and you're like, what, what, did, what did that person say to me? God, was so encouraging in that moment, and it's not there. So I always want to encourage you to take notes, uh, to write this stuff down. So I want to give you three things to do when you find yourself in a crisis of faith. Amen? Okay, if you're taking notes, write this one down. The first one is this. Remember what God has done. It's amazing. I call it Christian amnesia. It's amazing how when we find ourselves in hard times, we, can, we immediately forget all the other times that God has already come through. There are so many times, guys, we have to live our lives remembering what God has done in the past. I want to read this to you. It's Psalm 77. I'm going to read you all of Psalm 77. And here's what I want you to get when I read this to you. This is the Bible. This isn't somebody's just opinion. This isn't what someone is just, this is the Bible. This is the inspired, inerrant word of God. Listen to what it says. It says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. Has anybody ever been there? Were you, were you going to pray? I'll never forget one time after our daughter was born, we did like 21 days of prayer and fasting at, our, at the church I was at in Jacksonville. It was like the seventh day. And, I'm just, and we, we had this moment where we'd all have to go and pray as a staff. And I was just standing in the back. And, Riley, and our daughter was in the hospital. I'm just standing in the back like against a sound booth. And one of our pastors walks up to me. He goes, you're not going to go pray? I go, I don't have anything to say. There are going to be times in life where you're not going to be able to find the words right. and, and that's okay. That, that's all right. I want you to know that like there's so many times, man, that we feel like we're, we're worse Christians or we're terrible believers because we go into these moments with God to pray and we're like, God, I don't, I, just, I don't understand. God, I don't know what it is that you're doing. So he says, I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference. Now I look, just listen to this. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The most high has turned his hand against me. This is the psalmist saying, this is where I'm at. God's left me. God's left me out to dry. He he doesn't hear me. He doesn't comfort me. I don't even have the words to pray, but here's the difference. I want you to look at this in verse 11. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the, I love this. When the Red Sea saw you, O oh God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The cloud poured down rain. The thunder rolled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. This is so cool. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You may be in a season right now and everybody else is around you is saying, that's crazy. How are you there? You're never going to get through this. Life's too hard. Maybe God's just leading you to a path that nobody knows is there, but God, <laughs> maybe it's one of those moments. He goes on and says, you led your people along that road, like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherd. Listen, when you find yourself in a moment where you don't understand what God is doing or if God is good or any of those moments, can I encourage you to please look at everything that God has already done for you. It changed it all for the psalmist in that moment. Sometimes we've got to remember what it is that God has done. We have to remember where we, how we have gotten to where we are because of God's faithfulness in the past. If, you've been, if he's been faithful in the past, he's gonna be faithful in your current situation, he's gonna be faithful in the future. And we got to remember that. My wife and I, I kind of alluded to, and and Pastor Jason did, a a, a season, a transition for us. And so we resigned from the church we were at, and it it was very hard. There were some circumstances, and um, it, it was hard, and it was very painful. And I was sitting one day we live in Orlando. So like sometimes when I study, I'll go to, uh, Disney. <laughs> like that's what I do. I'm just like the weirdo that's like sitting there taking notes with the Bible and, um, and Disney world. And, um, and I'm like, <laughs> anyway, that's a long wait. You're going to want to go this way. And, um, and so I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading the book of Mark. I'm just sitting there reading the book of Mark and I come upon the story where Jesus calms the storms with his disciples. If you don't know the story, Jesus and his disciples, they are, they are crossing the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was surrounded by a mountainous region. So what would, what would happen most often is the cool air of the mountains would rush down and meet with the warm air over the Sea of Galilee, and these massive storms would come out of nowhere. And so the disciples and Jesus, they are crossing the Sea of Galilee. A huge storm comes up out of nowhere, and Jesus is just sleeping in the back. And the disciples are like, This is it. This is how we die. This is terrible. The water's coming into the boat. And so finally, Jesus wakes up, and the Bible says that he rebukes the wind and the waves, he calms the storm, he calms the sea. But what got me, and I've read this story a million times, he looks at the disciples right after this moment and says, How do you still not have faith? If you read it in the Passion Version of the Bible, if you have not started reading the Passion Version of the Bible, it is so awesome. It says, have you, Jesus said in the Passion Version, have you not learned to trust yet? So it got me thinking in this moment, what? Like Jesus not just talking about the storm. Jesus is talking about all the things the disciples have already seen him do. So I, got my, I have a little journal. Men, we keep journal. Women's keep, women keep diaries. So this is my, my journal. It's got Lord of the Rings on the front, so it's real manly. And uh, I sure, I'm i glad you're here with me, Sam. And so, so I, I start, I go back all the way through Mark 1, 2, and 3. And I outline every miracle the disciples had already seen Jesus do. And let me tell you, it's a lot. And what I felt God say to me in that moment Well, Josh, how do you still not have any faith? How do you still not trust? So I sat, I I cooked my family dinner that night. We sat down at the kitchen table and I said, guys, I shared that story with them. I said, man, this is what happened in Mark chapter four. Jesus looked at him and says, how do you still not have faith? And what he's referencing is he's referencing all the things that the disciples have already seen him do. I said, what are the things that we've already seen God do in our life? And I just had them start listing stuff. And we started writing it down. Some of them are amazing. Like our daughter for seven years didn't talk. We spoke sign language. And then one day playing video games with her brother, she just starts talking and you hear that. And you're like, oh man, I, to- I totally forgot. We used to talk with our hands. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so, we, so we'd write it down and then my daughter would be like, our puppy. And I'm like, that's a curse. And like, so we would just like write stuff down. But here's what it did. It it, it pointed to me and to our family, if God has been faithful in the past, God's going to be faithful in the future, and when you find yourself in a season, when you find yourself in a season and God is not making sense to you, don't focus on the season that you're in. Focus on the faithfulness of the past seasons. You've got to remember it. There are going to be times, and guys, I'm telling you, I'm in this right now where I'm saying, God, I don't know what in the heck you're doing right now, but I know what you've done in the past, and I'm standing on that. I'm remembering that. And if you don't feel like you have that great of a track record or you haven't walked that or you're a new follower of Jesus, go back and read the Bible. Because what you see in that is you see God's faithfulness all through it and use what God has already done to encourage you in your current journey. Amen? You need to remember what God has done. The second thing you need to do is you need to accept what God is doing. You need to remember and you need to accept. So, so here's the thing with accepting what God is doing, okay? I'm not saying that you just roll over and die. I call it the Eeyore syndrome. You know what Eeyore uh, from Winnie the Pooh? Probably rain on me anyway. Like that, I'm not, I'm not saying do that. You've ever met those, you know what I'm talking about, those people that it doesn't matter what's going on, they're like, might as well happen. And you're like, oh man, what is wrong? Like, I'm not saying like, roll over and die. I'm not saying just be like, oh, it's just the Lord punishing me. Like, I'm not saying do any of that stuff. But here's the other thing I'm not saying. And we've all met these Christian people. Can we just all be honest? And I know we're all Christians in here uh, for the most part, hopefully. Um, Christian people are weird, right? I mean, like, we're we're a strange bunch. And uh, nobody really likes that? Okay. And, um, well, you are, okay? (laughs) Let me just tell you. You ever met those Christian people when they're going through a hard time, they don't want to, like, they say, like, speak it into existence. Like, they don't want to acknowledge it. That is ridiculous. You're, I, I, I've pastored for 15 years, and I've met people that I know they were going through hell on earth. And I'd be like, hey, how's everything going? i <laughs> blessed and highly favored. The Lord is good, amen, all the time, all right? I'm like, your car's on fire, and you're bleeding from your eye. <laughs> like, I'm like, y- y- are you okay? I just don't, just don't want to speak it into existence. Let me, ju- let me just say something about that. If God isn't big enough that when I say something, he can't do anything, we're all in trouble. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm like, man, I got a cold and God's like, well, I was going to heal him, but now he said it. I can't do anything about it. Like, like, please, please understand that. Like, like accept it. Accept what God is doing. Understand the seat. Don't, don't run from it. Don't be weird about it. Don't be a fake Christian person about it. It's okay in life to say, man, this is really hard and it stinks. Yeah. If we weren't in church, I would say other words to explain that. Yeah. One of my favorite bands is a band called the Avid brothers and their, their grandfather was a pastor. And so they, a lot of their songs have these spiritual undertones. And, um, sometimes when I say this, it bothers people, but it's not my church, I don't care. Um, And so, (laughs) but they have this line when they're talking about praying and they say, sometimes I use cuss words when I pray. Let me just say, let me just please, and hopefully this helps you. God knows exactly how you feel anyway. You can go to God exactly as you are. You can go to God with all your hurts, your brokenness, your wounds, your everything. God sees through more than just stained glass. Do you understand what I mean by that? You, can, you want to read something crazy? Go read the book of Job. Job says some harsh things about God, and at the end of the book of Job, God does not rebuke Job. He rebukes Job's friends that say all the right Christianese things. Listen, you need to accept what God is doing, but here, here's what I want you to do. I want to give you another question to ask. See, a lot of us, when we find ourselves in a crisis of faith, there's the question that we ask, and the question is why? Why, God? Why would you allow this to happen? Why did you allow me to go through this? Why, 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 why? And what we can end up doing, and I did this with our daughter. When she was born, I went, why? Why, God? And for three to four years, probably even still to this day, theologically, it, it screwed me up. And so I started going through Scripture, and, and I could argue both sides of the Bible. I, 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 could, I knew so much about Doctrine and theology, and all these different things, because I had to make sense of suffering and of pain and of a crisis of faith. Yeah. Let me just tell you what that did for me. It just confused me. I just got into this place where I'm like, Did God cause it? Did God allow it? What's the difference between these two things? And if He really, and I, and I just found myself in this place and I finally just landed on this question not why. God, what do you want me to do with this? See, a lot of us in here, what we end up doing is we end up asking the question, Why? I think sometimes what God wants us to ask is, God, what do you want me to do with this? Listen, there is no one that knows. Cause, allow. If any pastor ever tells you that they have it 100% figured out, you smack them in the mouth and you leave that church, okay? (laughs) And just tell them that Pastor Jason told you to do that. (laughs) And so what I want you to do is I want you to start asking the question of God, what do you want me to do with this? So are my daughter and, and Aiden's sister. So she's, she's in a wheelchair, she's super into fashion. Like, I'm talking, she ha- this is no lie, and you can vouch for this. She has a 30 minute facial regimen that she does every night before she goes to sleep. She's 11, okay? I mean, moisturizers and skin creams. I'm like, maybe share some of it with your mom. I don't know. Um, I didn't say that, that's a joke. Don't tell mom. And, um, <laughs> And so like facial, we have to, before we go anywhere, now we have to sit her in front of her mirror because she can't sit up on her own and she does her makeup. It takes her about 15 to 20 minutes. She does makeup like a a freaking professional. She comes out and I'm like, good Lord, like what? (laughs) You look beautiful. And so before I was leaving for another trip, she's sitting, I'm sitting on the couch next to her. She goes, dad, she goes, will you help me start a blog? And she's all on Instagram and all this stuff. And she goes, will you help me start a blog? I'm like, baby, I go, listen to me. I go, I know that you watch YouTube all the time and and, and you're always reading blogs and you're on Instagram and you're on all this stuff. I go, baby, let me tell you something. I know you want to be Facebook famous or Instagram famous or whatever. I go, none of that stuff matters. It's not important. You don't need to worry about all that stuff. You don't really need a blog to to get famous like that. She goes, dad, that's not why I want to blog. I said, well, why do you want to blog? She goes, because what I've realized is is there's not a lot of other special, kids out, special needs kids out there that like fashion and makeup like I do. So maybe I can use the way that God's made me to help encourage other kids. And that's when I realized I loved my daughter more than my son. <laughs> and <laughs> he's gonna punch me in the throat when we get in the car. And and I just sat there, and I just, you know, I'm teasing. I just sat there, and I thought to myself, here's a little girl at 11 years old that she quit asking why, and she started asking, what do you want me to do with this? And so she just wrote this blog. Her blog is called Clean Kicks, because she's a shoe junkie, but she's in a wheelchair, so her kicks always stay clean. So... (laughs) so it's called Clean Kicks, so she wrote one, so she wrote a blog about what true beauty is. And I'm reading it and I'm like, oh my God, like she came from my loins, no I didn't think that, but like she's this, she's like so articulate, beautiful, and she quit asking the question, why God? She started asking, what do you want me to do with this? So let me ask you the question, what is it that you're walking through right now that God maybe wants you to start asking God, what do you want me to do with this? Maybe that divorce you went through is the thing that God wants to use most. Maybe that addiction that you battle or the friend that you have battles or whatever, maybe that's what God wants you to use the most. Maybe that story, that sickness, that cancer, that whatever, maybe that's what God wants you to use. Maybe God's saying, listen, it just happened. I don't, I don't know how it happened. I don't know the cause, the law, the fallenness of the world. I don't, I don't understand all that. Nobody does. But what I know is that if you continually come to God with all your brokenness, all your questions, all your hurts, and you say, God, what do you want me to do with this? Those are the, mo- Those are the moments that Jesus says, come here, I'm going to show you something. And you, and, you, and you find yourself in these places. And you find yourself being used by God in other people's lives. And you're thinking to yourself, man, if I hadn't walked through that, I wouldn't be able to speak into that. And so, God, I thank you that you allowed me to suffer for a season so that I could minister and pastor someone and love somebody as they go through it. So what is it? What is that thing for you? And all of us in here, they're all at different levels, right? So don't listen to what somebody else is going through and minimize your struggle or your crisis of faith because everybody's crisis of faith is the same to them regardless of what, in comparison to other people. So what is it that God wants you to say, God, what do you want me to do with this? Where do you want me to go with this? How do you want me to handle this? So you need to remember, you need to accept, and the third one is this, is you need to trust what God will do. And and this is hard, right? Like I... This is one of those things that, as a pastor, I remember when I, when I first got saved, and I would hear pastors just say, well, just trust what God's going to do. Trust Him. Just trust Him. And I'd always be in the congregation being like, yeah, right. You know why we do that so much? is because it's so hard to get past our own emotions. It's so hard to get past our own feelings. So when we say, hey, just trust God, God's gonna come through, God's gonna show up, God's gonna do this, we, I think all of us in this room, we want to believe that. We want that to be in our core, we want that to be in are, but we also have our human emotions, and it's so hard sometimes to get past our human emotions to get where God is on stuff, isn't it? It's a reality, and it's a struggle, it's hard. And that's what I want you to know. And, and, and so many times, and I would listen to pastors, I would listen to preachers, I'd sit in churches, and I, even as a pastor, I would hear people with all this faith and all this stuff, and I would hear them say, trust God, and I would feel bad as if I couldn't do it right. Like something was wrong. Because my emotions and my circumstance made me feel a certain way. And what I learned through that, and, and Pastor Jason talked about, this, I can't remember if it was in the rally or... I think it was when you were up here exhorting, okay. <laughs> exhorting the Lord. Um, sorry, <laughs> is sometimes what you have to do to get over your emotions okay. is you've got to preach to yourself. That's for sure. you, you you have got to encourage yourself. I have a it, I, this one just ripped out of my wallet, but I have a wallet that carries these little uh, field note guides, and I have scriptures written in them like that I carry in my back pocket with me for for moments where I need to encourage myself in the Lord. And what it does is when I'm encouraging myself in the Lord, it helps me to trust in God more. It helps me to say, okay, God, this is my circumstance. This is my current situation. But your word says this. God's word is always bigger than our circumstances. And it doesn't always feel that way though, does it? It doesn't feel that way when you're sitting in hospital rooms. It doesn't feel that way when the doctor says the cancer's back. It doesn't feel that way when they tell you something about your child, or it doesn't feel that way when your spouse says they want it. It doesn't feel that way when you lose your job. It doesn't feel that way when any of these things happen. And so we're in these moments, we're saying, God, what do we do? God, don't you see this? God, don't you know what I'm going through? God, don't you know? Don't you know? And I think God's like, yes. Yes, I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. I know what's happening in your life. And so many times, at least I do this, and maybe I'm the only weird one that does, I'm really good at telling God how big my problems are. I'm not super great at telling my problems how big God is. I'm not great at always encouraging myself. And so maybe you're better than me, but I have to carry stuff around in my back pocket. And in those moments where I feel like I'm going to lose it when my trust is waning, I have to go back... And I have to remind myself, Teresa on the front row who keeps screaming at me, I'm just playing. So this morning I woke up and I'm praying. Today was a a weird day for my wife and I. We were texting back and forth. It's hard not being at a church that we planted. And, and 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 I wrote down my prayer on my phone. I said, God, I just need to know like what you want me to do. And God, I need to know like where you want me to go. And God, I need to know like... God, like, does it matter? I don't feel like anybody sees me. I don't feel like, and I wrote all this on my phone. Teresa walks up to me at the rally and she says, hey, I feel like God wants you to know that he sees you. And I'm like, I played it cool, but I was like, okay, all right, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I'm gonna be in the bathroom. And so, because it's those moments, and here's what I did, I wrote it down. Because there's gonna be a day where I feel like God doesn't see me. And I need to remind myself that he does. And when I do that, it helps me to trust in what he will do. So what are you in right now? What is that crisis of faith for you? There's nothing wrong that if you're there. Please don't feel like, please don't ever feel like you're a bad Christian because you feel like you're struggling in something. Think about all, like, you go through and you read the Bible. I'm telling you, It's just a bunch of jacked up people screwing up over and over and over and over and over again. And God being like, all right, come on. All right, come on. And it's just a picture of his grace. So don't allow anybody to ever make you feel guilty for your struggles. So what is the thing for you though? What is that crisis of faith? What do you need to remember that God has done in your past? What do you you need to accept that God is doing right now? And just say, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going through. What do you want me to do with this? And how do you need to encourage yourself to trust him more? Listen, so many times, we tie up God's love for us in our circumstances. God's love for us is not tied up in our circumstances. God's love for us is tied up in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what we always need to focus on. Your circumstances will change. Your emotions will change. The cross and the word of God never change, ever. And, and we're able to be in here in a, in a school in San Francisco, and we're able to have hope that we're able to remember, accept, and trust, not because we have it all figured out. Listen, if it was just up to you to get yourself through your crisis of faith, you would be in trouble. But the good news is, is that God sent Jesus to help you get through your crisis of faith, that God sent the Holy Spirit to help you get through your crisis of faith. And so what is it for you? And maybe for some of you in here, listen, maybe you're just like, okay, man, I need to remember. I need to get a journal. Remember men, journals, women, diaries. I need to get a journal. Man, I need, to, I need to ask the question of God, what do you want me to do with this? I need to start approaching this thing differently. Maybe some of you, you need to get some scriptures. You need to carry them with them, put them in your phone. You need to remind yourself of what God has already done to help you trust him. But maybe for some of you in here, the first step is, is you got to accept Jesus. Because let me tell you something, me and Pastor Jason, we were not always following the Lord. We've been on we've lived on both sides of the fence. And what gives us the ability and the strength and the hope and the everything to trust and get through a crisis of faith isn't our strength. It is the strength of Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross for us. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.